It is exactly five minutes after eight o'clock on Metro FM Talk. Let's take a look at uh, some really engaging conversations in our technology. Just before the break, we were talking uh, slightly about technology. And and this is something that we do every time, uh, rather every time this Wednesday, rather this time every um, every Wednesday. uh, We focus on on technology and a lot on how it affects people and our daily lives. Because ultimately, that's what really matters, right? Not just technology for technology's sake, but technology as in how it affects our lives and speaks to our day-to-day problems and in solving those problems. And today, we're talking about an inclusive, socially conscious innovation. Now, what does that mean and and why is it important? Uh, Joining us this evening is Namdi Oranya, who is author of Disrupting Africa, the Rise and Rise of African Innovation and uh, Taking on Silicon Valley, How Africa's Innovators Will Change Its Future. Thank you, Nandi, for, for joining us this evening. Welcome. Thank you, Tammy. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the show. First of all, I am just encapsulated by the title of, of your books, Disrupting, <laughs> Af- Disrupting Africa. The titles themselves are disruptors, even before you open the pages. Disrupting Africa, the rise and rise of African innovation. Tell us a bit about what actually inspired you to write this and, and to focus on African innovation and what exactly is African innovation in the first place? Yeah, well, I will do that. Thank you for, for that. Um, and I, I think the, the, the title actually captured how I felt probably about seven years ago. Um, and what actually happened was I would travel to multiple countries, I'll speak at conferences, and I'll come across impressive, impressive innovators, impressive Africans doing impressive work using technology, typically um, to solve a genuine problem the continent. But then when I look for them online, there's nothing happening, right? There's, there's no content about them, there's no PR, press releases about them. And that disconnect really bothered me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And and I, I decided to write a book. And to be fair, at that stage, I, I just wrote a book thinking, uh, it might just sit in Amazon and the bookstores and that's it. But it actually ended up taking off. And, and, the, and the, the, the title of Disrupting Africa has come from the fact that there are all these very impressive Africans doing uh, impressive work on the continent. And the problem is we just don't talk about them. And when we don't talk about them, we then assume we're doing nothing. I wonder, um, is, it, is it us Africans not talking about them? Is it the world not talking about them? Or is it the innovators themselves not talking about themselves? No, I think it's a bit of a, a bit of all that, right? But you know, if I was to to critique, I'd say it should be Africans talking about our own innovators, right? We shouldn't wait for other people to tell our stories. The innovators themselves can't tell their own stories. It, that comes across as bragging, and besides, they're doing the work of of innovating and trying to solve genuine problems. Um, we then we should support them because when they when they succeed, they actually then solve genuine problems for us as Africans. And the important part here, outside of just writing the book and, and telling the story, is as, as Africans, we we are probably best played with in the in the most uh, the best time to be African is right now, right? That's, it, it's such an incredible time to be African, you know. And, and this is not just me being optimistic about it. The numbers and stats show this. By twenty thirty four, twenty thirty five, Africa would have the largest working population. Forty percent of the world's working population would be in Africa. By the end of this century, 35% of the top 100 
uh, uh, largest city globally will be in Africa. It's currently sitting at 10%. So all these show like very, very optimistic stories about Africa. But the problem is we don't actually tell our stories. Uh, and and this, this actually implies that Africa can't fail. If 40% of the world's working population is on the continent, you know, it's not just an African problem if it fails. It's a global one. And this is this is where the innovators and entrepreneurs come in to solve those problems. Mm. And what I find quite encouraging about what you're saying, Namdi, is the fact that not that the African innovators are not there. They are there. They are innovating. They are creating. They are coming out uh, with those solutions. But now it's just about the world knowing about it. We're going to take a, a quick break. But when we come back, uh, I'd like us to talk about innovation and innovation culture in Africa specifically as as a continent and what are the type of innovations that are coming out of the continent in comparison to let's say Europe or even um, the United States but just ponder on that for a moment. Excellent. It's 10 minutes after 8 o'clock on Metro FM Talk. We are in conversation with Namdi Oranyo who is author of the book Disrupting Africa as well as Taking on Silicon Valley and we're looking at technology and innovation on the African continent. More of that just after this. It is exactly 13 minutes after 8 o'clock on Metro FM Talk. I'm Tamingubeni sitting in for Ayabong Akawe. We're in conversation right now with Namdi Oranya, who is uh, dis- author of the book Disrupting Africa as well as Taking on Silicon Valley. Now, Nandi, before the break, we were talking about African innovation. And if you could just talk us through the, the, the type of innovations that Africans are, are coming up with. And when we talk of an African innovation culture, what exactly does that look like? Yes. Um, so, so before the break, we talked about uh, the way the name of the book came up about disrupting Africa. I gave some context to that. And one of the things uh, that you know, the common theme across the, the continent, and uh, I've been to about 32% of Africa now, I'm trying to get to 60% to meet these innovators in person and find out what they're doing. One of the common themes I've picked up in, 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 in across the continent, uh, these countries I've been to, is the African innovator genuinely trying to solve African problems, right? And and you know, I say this, you know, to to position that I think Africans are the best place people to solve African problems. And I give an example: just two innovators in South Africa here, right, that are solving genuine problems. One is a company called MFS Africa, um, based in Johannesburg, and they've plugged in over 170 million mobile money wallets across the continent, and I'll put that in context. 170 million wallets, which is tied to mobile phones, is roughly about 15% of Africa's population. And what they're doing now is giving people the ability to send money from one country to the other on their platform. So you could be in Gambia and send money to Kenya, you could do it from your mobile phone. And that is quite impressive when you think about it. And and these are, when you think of the, the... concept of cross-border trade, remittances, foreign national, diaspora banking, this is absolutely crucial, especially where the cost of sending money across borders is exorbitant in, in, in Africa. That's one. The second one, which most people should know about, at least in South Africa, is Sweep South, started by um, Aisha Pandor. And, in, you, know, you know, unemployment is a big thing here in our, in our country, South Africa. 
Um, and the question is, how do we solve that problem? You know, and what she's done is pretty much come up with uh, an app which is very similar to an Uber. It's an Uber. It pretty much is the Uber of domestic cleaning, right? Mm. So if you wanted a domestic cleaner, you download the app. You select, you know, I want, I want my uh, two rooms washed, uh, cleaned, uh, X number of, of uh, washing done, ironed, and the likes. And you go on and select, based on the rating of the domestic work in your area, you can actually select the domestic help. And I think last I heard, they've, they've um, employed over 10,000 domestic workers, right? That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and these are scalable businesses that you can take to any African country and people get it immediately. And, and then the question, the second question, which was about, around what's African innovation? What does it mean in our context? And I've, I've got a bias towards uh, technology-based uh, uh, startups. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer by background, and, and these days we've uh, associated technology with innovation, right? Um, but the reason I'm biased towards technology is it helps you scale very quickly. If you haven't got a, if you haven't got a business without technology, it's hard to move from, say, South Africa to Kenya or to Nigeria or, or to Senegal. You've got a technology platform; it's easy to do that. And what what innovators on the continent starting to do is to figure out how to use existing technology or create theirs to solve genuine African problems. So really, now we're using technology more for scaling than for anything else because the basics are, are there as in yeah. either you, you're solving the problem of unemployment or you're solving the problem of logistics or you're solving the problem of health. Uh, so that yeah. is the foundation. And then technology comes in to expand the business and to perhaps expose you to markets that you wouldn't necessarily have had access to without the technology. Absolutely, absolutely. And, they, and what, the, what the innovators are doing, they're finding novel ways to solve this problem. I'll give an example of another innovator in South Africa that is personally underrated and we don't know about, we should know about, is, is a company called Vula Mobile. It's actually started by an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor. Mm. But he used to get frustrated. He would drive, you know, he's based in Cape Town, he would drive, say, four hours into rural Cape Town or rural you know, Western Cape see a Gogo and say, oh, Gogo, you've got cataract. And he'll drive four hours back. And then Gogo's got to drive four hours to Cape Town for a training operation and back. It's just a very inefficient way to do business, right? Or, or conduct any form of medical uh, uh, practice. So what he then developed, and keep in mind, he's a doctor, not a techie, um, is he, he developed an app called Vula Mobile where a rural health worker can scan Gogo's eyes wherever she is, and say, ah, Gogo, you've got cataracts because he's used retina technology and immediately book her into the closest um, ophthalmologist in the area, right? That is so novel that, Mm. you know, when you think about it, you you know, you would never have imagined an African doctor doing that. And I think the last last stats I heard of um, when I met him is he's done close to 100,000 operations in, in 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 South Africa, I think that that's uh, the Sutu, Swaziland, and expanding to Namibia, and these are African technologies solving African problems. And what the innovators are doing, they're finding novel ways to use existing technology in the African context. We're going to take a, pre- a quick break again, Nandi, but come back with you 
And I want to talk about the, the type of countries where there is no infrastructure, you know, but yeah. people own their, their own mobile phones and, and we see them going into various industries. Uh, and I'd like yeah. us to, to focus on that as well, where there is no infrastructure, but the phones are there. Almost everybody's got a phone and how that can then be used uh, to advance uh, business and to scale it as well. It's exactly 20 yeah. minutes after 8 o'clock on a Metro FM Talk. Uh, we are in conversation with Nandi Oranya, author of the book Disrupting Africa, as we talk about technology and innovation on the continent. It is exactly 21 minutes after 8 o'clock as we talk technology here on Metro FM Talk. Now, Nandi, before the break, uh, talking about countries where there is no infrastructure, but, you know, people have the mobile phones and, and they're using those uh, for in a number of industries. We've spoken about banking. Uh, we've spoken about the health sector with the great example you gave about the Vuga Mobile, uh, but also yeah. farming as well. Talk to us about that. Yes, yeah, so, so, you know, if I was to uh, think of innovation in the African context, it probably evolved around the era of mobile phones, right? So the infrastructure um, uh, uh, to have get mobiles in people's hands has revolutionized what innovation looks like in, in the continent. That's actually a very important point because when you think of innovation in the African context, it's actually still relatively new. It's only... Mobile phones have already been around for a decade or two, right? So you have to put that in context to say the innovators who have actually come out and done stuff quite impressive. So it's easy then to compare them with the likes of Uber, Facebook, WhatsApp, but not realizing those guys are probably in generation four, generation five. They've been around, you know, Silicon Valley has been around for 80 plus years, right? And, and what, the, what the mobile phone has actually done is giving massive uh, access to multiple industries that we talked about banking, right? So now, if you're a bank, you, there's no there's no uh, commercial value in going to set up a branch in a remote area, right? To service that, you can do that off your phone. There's a mobile device to do that. The same thing I said with with health and farming now becoming a a key access, a key a key um, uh, industry where where um, technology is playing a key role. There are quite a number of Agriculture um, uh, innovators, focus innovators, and I see a huge, huge chunk in my database of innovators coming out of Ghana and Nigeria, um, which sort of makes sense because agriculture is one of the the key components of, of the of, of the economy there, right? Mm. But what, what they're using technology for is to create what's called a marketplace. Right? So, an in a farmer in in rural Nigeria can literally access, using whatever type of phone he's got, access, um, you know, daily rates for his products. He can now order order products using his phone. And this like sometimes SMS-based type um, um, uh, technology. It's not an app-based, right? Um, and then he can get the goods delivered, he can track it, and he can actually pay, end up paying with mobile money. And he's doing all this through his phone. He can access services like the weather, you know, to which are impacts his crops. Um, and that technology is, what, what mobile phones is doing is actually revolutionizing revolutionizing the way we look at economies and agriculture plays a key role. And if you look at the industries where mobile is playing a key role, these are actually um, uh, key markets that we just need, you know, agriculture, health, education, um, you know, across those basic infrastructure needs that we need to, that I predict at some stage once those industries are solved, then we need to move into sort of, you know, um, think logistics, think um, uh, accommodation and move up 
move up the value chain. Mm. I, I wonder, Nandi, when it comes to business and technology and the future, as well as ensuring sustainability, as well as growth, with technology, yeah. is it an issue of adapt or die? Let's say you are a late adopter of, of technology. Yeah. Is this the type of situation where if you want to ensure that you are still relevant in the future, that you are competitive in the marketplace, that you have to integrate technology into your business? Otherwise, you might find yourself on the sidelines of industry. Yeah, you know, I have. And that's, this is what I cover in my second book, Taking on Silicon Valley. Uh, I think I think we are all aware that technology is, is has a genuine role to play in to explain is, what is an example is imagine now you were in the coin age or in the barter age where you used to barter for goods and services, right? If you never adapted and moved to coin or cash and you're still stuck with bartering, you would have a business today. You'd be dead. Um, and it's the same it's the same phase we're in where, where technology is definitely um, revolutionizing how industries um, operate. Case in point is Facebook announcing Libra, which is their payment system, which effectively makes them a financial services provider. What's happening in our generation, which I don't think people have really realized, is that the pace of change with technology is too fast, right? So mm-hmm. we're probably the first generation where we've seen five payment types. Right? We've seen cash, we've seen check, we've seen plastic, we've seen online banking and digital banking, now we're seeing cryptocurrency. Generations before us probably only saw one or two, you know, it'd be cash for you know, for as long as you lived and you died and you might sell you know, the next generation sees check something like that. And if you're in, in an industry where you don't understand technology, I think very easily you'll be left behind. And, and the problem with that being left behind is there's some economies in, in Africa where you can't afford to be left behind because maybe at the micro at the micro level it's fine, but at the macro level maybe your GDP can't handle a shock to the system. So really, it's about getting the education that's needed, whatever training, uh, partnering with the right people that will give you that technological edge if you yourself don't have it, just to make sure that you're still around tomorrow. You, you must. It, it's inevitable. You must have education, and I'm not talking about education in the sense of you've got to go to school and the likes. I think the biggest challenge, and I'm quite optimistic typically about about innovation change in Africa, but it's always the, the challenge of the dark side to innovation, right? So the, the challenge I predict, and I, you know, I shouldn't say predict, you know, this is documented, that what might happen to most people is they might get education fatigue because you've got to keep reinventing yourself. This new technology that comes out, you've got to get up to speed with that affecting your accounting business and then you, you get up to that and you're, you figure out how to do this new technology and five years later a new technology comes to change the landscape so you've almost got to reinvent yourself but I think for most people whether you're an entrepreneur or a startup or even an individual education will be key and I think we'll leave it at that uh, for this evening Nandi some food for thought there um, just go out there if you don't have uh, the know-how, you know, get somebody who does just to make sure that yeah. you are, are okay and you're still here tomorrow and still in business. Well, thank you, Nandi, for your, for your time this evening.
It was an absolute pleasure being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's uh, Nandi Oranya there as we talk technology and the African continent. So whatever your business may be, uh, perhaps start thinking about ways that you could scale your business, start thinking about ways that you could integrate technology to to to, to scale it, to take it to the next level, to increase your, your, your market share and go to places where traditionally you wouldn't be able to go without the technology. So those are tech conversations for this evening on